the name of the message this morning is a faith bird. I want to give you two scriptures, and then I'll share with you uh, a little bit about what I feel like God is speaking to me. I think he's speaking it to the church. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. if you would put that up on the screen, we're going to read through 14. It says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And it goes on to say, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Isn't it good to know that God is listening this morning? You know, there's a lot of things that I come to the Lord with that I'm sure glad that he's listening to me. You know, he wouldn't have to listen to me, but because he desired to have a relationship and fellowship with me, he's glad to listen. And then the last verse says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I remember several years ago, Um, When we were in Tulsa in 1979, a lady invited me to come to her house and house sit. Now, we lived in an apartment, very small, uh, uh, you know, apartment, actually, for three children and myself. And there weren't a lot of things that we could do. I mean, you know, you've heard Pastor John's stories of how they went out, you know, and collected cans. And and he went bowling once a week. But we didn't have, you know, like the, the maybe all that we wanted to have. But this lady that invited us to her house to house sit was a really cool house, and it was out in the woods, and uh, I was there for like, I don't know, a whole weekend, then we went another time, and and I house set, and my kids went with me, and uh, I remember exactly where I was, exactly what I was doing in this closet, in this house, and I had a bucket of clothes because we took everything in the clothes baskets to go stay there for the weekend, and I was going through that clothes basket, and I heard, if you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all your heart. I was just going through a clothes basket of clothes trying to find what I was trying to get out of there for whoever it was that morning. But I will never forget that day. If you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all your heart. Now, for me, you know, at that time, it didn't really make a lot of sense. But as I look back now in my life, everything that has happened If I search for the Lord in it, I will find him. And when I find him, I find the courage and the confidence to do what I'm doing. It's in the seeking of him, not in the seeking of answers to how I'm going to do what I'm going to do. In the seeking of him, I find him. And then he knows the thoughts that he has toward me, that they are for good and not for evil. And when I get in that place, he gives me those thoughts, not my thoughts, but his thoughts. And uh, I want to talk to you today. I read this, uh, my confident woman, I told you the last time I preached, I've been going through this. And uh, one scripture my husband preached, if you were here years ago, you know, Pastor Bill's favorite scripture was Romans eight twenty eight. How many of you know that? All things work together for good for those who love God, turn to your neighbor and say, we do, and are called according to his purpose. Excuse me. So if, if you're called according to his purpose and you love him, then the Bible says, everybody say the Bible says, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, you know, in the last month or two, I've had more situations where people have an opportunity to believe that or to walk away. And, uh, and for myself, even in my life, I, I've had that opportunity. But God began to put things in my path. How many of you know God puts road signs along your way? 
<laughs> I mean, not just stop, but, you know, boy, go on. You know, uh, all those kind of road signs that help. And for me, they happen in the most unusual places. But this one, uh, and I'm going to share like three of them today that have happened just in the last week to me that really have encouraged me in what God is saying for me to do and for what God is going to do in this church and for the things that God's doing in my friends in Tulsa and what's going to happen to them. How many of you know God knows about all this? See, he knows the plans. He knows the thoughts. He knows all of this. And, uh, and it was in this book, and it was actually, the title is Giants Fall. And how many of you were here last week? Pastor John preached on the giant. And only this, this scripture she uses is, this is another giant. And again, there was war at Gath, where was a man of great stature who had 24 fingers and toes, six on each hand and each foot. He also was born to the giant. And when he, when he reproached and defied Israel, see, didn't that happen with David? It was David's nephew, a man named Jonathan, who slew that giant. He slew that giant. But in this teaching, it says God wants us to stretch our faith muscles. We've been being told to stretch and stand against fear. He wants us to say, no, fear is not going to rule my life. As we learn to use prayer to confront and combat the small fears, he'll help us learn to tackle the bigger fears too. Don't let fear freeze you into paralysis. I want to speak to this today because there are many people who are in fear. I mean, not just the, the world, but the church. The church, and if the church gets into fear, they will hide. They will not stand up. They will not speak. They will not do anything because they'll be in fear. And it goes on and says this author, Hannah Hernard, uh, author, of, author of Hind's Feet on High Places, was once paralyzed by fear. Now, I hate fear. Because I lived this. I lived this as a single mom. I was fearful all the time. I mean, that spirit of fear was on my life. And now today, if I get around anybody who acts like that over something that's not really, you know. I mean, we're all to have fear. That, that you know, that's not the fear that, like, we're going to die. But fear is a good uh, thing that shows us a warning, you know, don't go here, or don't do that. But it's not to paralyze us. It's not put there to lock us up in a jail and hold us forever. And it was doing that to my life. So I understood this. And it says the preacher said, everybody say the preacher said, she was listening to this message. A wise bird knows that a scarecrow is simply an advertisement. Are you getting this? Simply an advertisement. Now, see, when I read this this week, This was just like revelation. Pastor John's been speaking about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God speaks in ways, but we need to be listening. And it says, it announces that some very juicy and delicious fruit is to be had for the picking. There are scarecrows in all the best gardens. If I am wise, I too shall treat the scarecrow as though it were an invitation. How many times do we treat fear as an invitation? Fear's natural reaction is, I'm out of here. And I am good at that. You know, when I, well, I'll go on and read this, and I'll tell you what the Lord said to me a while ago. Every giant in the way which makes me feel like a grasshopper is only a scarecrow, beckoning me to God's riches, blessings. He concluded, faith is a bird. So, thus the title today, a faith bird. Are you a faith bird? Well, if you're a faith bird, it says, a faith bird loves to perch on scarecrows. So, where are you today? Where are you today? 
Where am I? All our fears are groundless. This is interesting. Right beside this in the other page, it says, remember that God wants us to face things. Whatever you run from will always be waiting for you somewhere else. How many of you know that's true? Our strength to conquer is found in pressing forward with God. Now, you know, God has been encouraging me. You know, we, we, we look at things that we see, and, and he's encouraging me through this book. But then I go to work out. And I've, I've got my foot on this thing, you know, that you put your foot up like this, and, and it's supposed to stretch these muscles. And I just look in this room where people change clothes. It's doors open. And there's this board with a quote. And this is what the quote said. Life can be understood backwards, but life can only be lived forwards. Well, when you're wanting to stop, that's, a, that's not a good quote. How many of you know? Now, I thought about Joshua, Moses and Joshua. See, Moses took the group that didn't make it through. They ended up in the wilderness, you know, for 40 years, and they wandered. And Joshua took the group who could look backward, who could look backward, and they saw what not to do. How, how many of you know that hindsight's always 20, 20? That's my husband always says. And uh, how many of you think you could do it better now? Did you get that? You could do it better this time. And uh, oftentimes that holds up peopling and regrets and all those kind of things. But whatever didn't get done right the first time, God is still waiting for it to get done. Can I say that? God is still waiting for it to get accomplished. Now, you may go through some things like the children of Israel did, but Joshua and Caleb waited 40 years for what they knew 40 years before would work. But they didn't get to do it for 40 years because somebody messed up. And, you know, oftentimes we get locked up in things, and and we just give up and go away. When I was praying about this message, just for a few minutes, I went over to the youth, and God reminded me of the Runaway Bride movie. How many of you know that? And he said, that's the church, the Runaway Bride. You know, uh, every, you know the, the one I love is where she leaves the church, goes down through the basement, gets out the back door, jumps on a FedEx truck or something, and down the road she goes. Well, her destination is to nowhere, believe me. That, and that's the way it is with the church, where we've abdicated, where we've not done things. You know, God has not changed his mind about this nation, has not changed his mind about your house, has not changed his mind, because God never changes his mind. Now, we may have to go through some things that, that we wished we didn't get, have to go through, but God continually puts up road signs to keep us moving forward. Everybody say forward. And those road signs, you know, like that one with me, you know, I don't really like working out, and I don't like the stretching because that hurts too. You know, actually, it hurts sometimes worse than the workout did when you have to stretch. And so here I look at this sign. Well, then I go around the corner. It's this thing you go around four sides, and it works. It stretches all parts of you. And on every side, there's something, you know, that says something. And this next one says, um, it's about overcoming challenges. And it says, not every challenge we face will be overcome, but no challenge can be overcome until it's faced. Well, see, I am the runaway bride from beginning of life. I mean, when my mother, and we'd, we'd have company, and they'd want me to sing, get up in front of people. My sister Chris, you know, if you know sister Chris, she doesn't even have to, you don't even have to really ask. Just hit a chord, and she's on. She's on. My mother wants entertainment for her 70th anniversary party. I said, put Chris in charge. Because if nobody else will do something, she will. Hallelujah. She sings. And so that's just who she is. She's made that way. I, I was not made to sing. 
Uh, I was made to be whatever I am supposed to be now for the Lord. I didn't like to be up in front of people and speak. So I had to go through a lot of things to get to where I am today. But I had to choose to overcome. Everybody say overcome. And back in the beginning, I never chose that. I chose I'm going to my room. And so all of our company would be there. They'd have a great time all night. I would be in my room sitting because I knew if I went down there, my mother would make me sing, and I didn't want to sing. Now, how many of you know that's a long, long life? You know, the runaway bride was continually disillusioned. And the more times she ran away, the easier it was to run the next time and the greater the fear. Everybody say the greater the fear. And so, you know, as I read that sign, I thought, well, I guess I'm just going to have to go through. How many of you have ever thought, oh, I'm going to have to go through this? Well, you know, we can either go through with joy. And the difference is, like Joshua and Moses, they knew God was with them. That's the, that's the only thing that remained constant. You know, that they, the enemy was still there. Uh, the circumstances did not change for Joshua. The giants were still in the land. There was still going to be trouble to get the land of milk and honey. Nothing was easier for Joshua than it was for Moses. But the thing that determined the victory was not Moses or Joshua. It was God that God was with them. And so God didn't change his mind. He still took them to the promised land. I felt to tell you today, your promised land is still there, whatever it is. But you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to get there. And getting there is a process. Everybody say a process. You know, um, as I was looking at this, uh, especially faith, faith is not something that is tangible, uh, that you can really, uh, you don't really feel faith. How many, how many of you know you don't feel faith? But you feel fear. Now, all of us are going to, at one time or another, feel fear because, like I said, it's put there to warn us at times. But fear is an emotion. It is a feeling. Faith is an assurance. There, that's the difference. You know, when you operate by faith, you're operating by assurance that God is who he says he is. When you operate by fear, you're motivated by your feelings, totally feelings. There is no, no feeling to faith. How many of you know that's true? Because you can't explain to people why you believe what you believe. You just know you believe it. Isn't that right? It's in your knower. But, but fear is in your flesh. And fear is the thing the enemy takes and brings in our life to try to halt us from the plan of God. So the scarecrow in a field, really, there's something wonderful in that field. There's something good. There's something delicious in that field. But the scarecrow's there to keep the birds away from what's good in that field. There is nothing in that scarecrow that is going to hurt them. Not one thing in that scarecrow. And, and that's oftentimes, you know, as in, in this particular section that I'm reading here in uh, this confidence book, it's all about boldness. You know, there's the boldness that is just simply pride and arrogance. And there are people who act bold who are not bold. Boldness is humility. Everybody say is humility. And that humility means I'm totally reliant on God, therefore I have boldness. I have assurance. And so when, when that happens... No scarecrow in the field. We will not see the scarecrow. We will see the fruit. Everybody say, I see the fruit. And when you see the fruit, you're motivated to go for the fruit. And the scarecrow makes no difference. But if we have areas in our life where we're weak, where we have things that have to be fortified, God will work on those. Turn to somebody and say, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
And so the Lord just gave me these three things that, that will try to scare you. There's many more. Lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6, people perish or are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, uh, God continued to speak to me this week. My husband had on Joel Osteen, and he was talking about what he used to try to rebuke was really a test. Uh, you know, if you don't have the knowledge of what's happening to you, you're going to have your rebuker working, and it's rebuking nothing. Because there's not anything to rebuke. It's God. Everybody say it's God. Using that circumstance to do something in your life. But because you have a lack of knowledge of what is happening, then you're trying to fight something that really it's not supposed to be a fight against somebody or something else. It's supposed to be that fight that Pastor John talked about to change. Everybody say the fight to change. How many of that's one of the hardest things it is to do is to change our, <laughs> change the way we are, change the way we think. God just last week said to me, you're, you're going to have to break the habit of self-sufficiency. Well, you know, now that's not really a very good word. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the park looking for encouragement here, but that's encouragement. Everybody say encouragement. Because if we break the habit of self-sufficiency, he was talking to me about finances. You cannot have the habit of self-sufficiency and finances, or you'll be destroyed. Everybody say a lack of knowledge. See, it's a lack of knowledge. Uh, fear of failure. I can't do it. It was just this summer. My husband takes me to Barnes & Noble, which is where he lives now, if you want to see him. Uh, you know, at funerals, he says, if you want to see that person, you have to go to heaven. Well, if you want to see Pastor Bill, you got to go to Barnes & Noble. And Barnes & Noble is where he lives and buys books. I mean, if somebody says the name of a book, he is there on it, has it. He told all of our family, buy me cards to Barnes & Noble. So Barnes & Noble, he takes me there. That's where we go, Barnes & Noble, and look at books. And I'm not really a book person, so to speak, but he found me this book. And it would, guess what the name of the book was? Can't is not an option. Now, he doesn't often preach to me, but he has ways. He has ways, yeah, to preach to me. And uh, she's a pretty girl. Well, God's been speaking to me for two years I'm going to have you speak where you don't want to speak. Well, I'm not looking to do that. How many of you know you'd rather not speak if you don't have to? I mean, let's not get me in a crowd. I can say anything in here now because you all like me. See, it's okay, but put me out there somewhere. I don't know. But it, this is a lady who, um, she's now the governor of South Carolina, Indian, from uh, Indian descent, not American Indian, India. And it says... Um, Soon, she had a reputation as a conservative leader, leader who could get things done. In the same state where her family was once ridiculed, she had dis, uh, inspired a diverse grassroots following. In November of 2010, she was elected South Carolina's first female governor, first non-white governor, and only the second Indian American governor in the country. You read this book, her whole thing is can't is not an option. Now, immediately, I remember my high school choir teacher. We would have this, this big musical thing. And I was always supposed to sing a solo. Misty. How many of you remember Misty? In this group, I can say that. And so I was supposed to sing Misty. And, uh, and I'm back in the back, and I say to him, I can't. I mean, I go up to him. He's, we're ready to go on. I can't. I can't. I can't. And he said, don't ever say that again. There is nothing that you can't do. I thought, well, now you're going to make me cry. Now it would be impossible for me to do it. But I remember that. And so when Pastor Bill finds me this, finds, you got to read this book. He said, you just got it. It's about this woman. She's in South Carolina. And, of course, he's up on all the latest of everything and pulls it out, and it says can't is not an option. 
Everybody say, don't, don't, don't run from the scarecrow. See, I, I'm, I'm, I am always one foot out the door. You know, I'm, I have to confess, that is the easiest thing for me because I'm not looking to be somebody. So if somebody else could be the somebody, more power to you. Hallelujah, go be it. And I'll be right here praying for you in the closet. Praise Jesus. Everybody say, the just shall live by faith. Okay, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. God has given me the scripture two years ago uh, when Pastor John took over. This is scripture. A wide door of opportunity has opened to you. Now, how many of you know when you hear something like that, you think it's tomorrow? Oh, that's not true. It's not tomorrow. It's probably way down the road. Because God then starts working to perfect in us. Now, I've had God give me the scripture before about, you know, when you serve the Lord, it's with persecutions. Everybody say with persecutions. And so we expect persecution sometimes to be what it doesn't end up being. And it, but it has to do with perfecting us to get us where we're going to need to be so we can stand when we're there. Otherwise, we won't be able to stand. But he said, I'm going to open a wide door of opportunity. Opportunity for effectual service has opened to me. This is Paul. They're a great and promising one, and there are many adversaries. Everybody say adversaries. Now, the enemy is always out there trying to stop us. But I believe, after all these years in my life of walking with the Lord, the greatest adversary that I have is me. Can I say that again? The greatest adversary I have is me. Because when I see the scarecrow, I am ready to just say, forget the fruit. I'm out. That's, that's the way I live my life. Now, God has pressed me through some really hard places. But I can tell you today, I am stronger for that. But he does not stop. How many of you know God just never stops? There's always another field. There's always another scarecrow. There's always another opportunity. And he gave me these four things, and I want to give them to you because that you could stop at any time. Uh, in these situations, God will test you for the opportunity. Joel Osteen was talking about rebuking uh, the devil because his children, before he would leave for church, you know, they'd get ready to go. He became the pastor. He had two little children. He said one of them would spill something on him, then we have to change clothes. You know, something would happen. All this is happening, and I am rebuking the devil. I am rebuking the devil all the way to church. And God said, It's not the devil. I'm working on your patience. Well, I mean, he said, I, don't you know I'm the pastor of the church? I've got to get there. He told a story where he was in a hurry, and he got in traffic jams one after the other. <laughs> now, everybody say, this is a teaching. See, this is God working on something in, in Joel Osteen. He said, so I prayed. I started praying. He said, you know what I was praying? God, don't let there be a policeman on the other side of that hill. Because <laughs> he's speeding to get to church. You know, and so I'm hearing all this the other day, and I thought, see, all those things are working in us what God is getting ready to do for that effectual wide-open door that's out there. And it takes a while. It just takes a while. And it's, this is what God said, these four things. First, you get the word with encouragement. Isn't God always encouraging when you first get the word? Isn't that exciting? Oh, golly, I'm going to be this. Hallelujah. I mean, this God's going to do this. It's going to be amazing. And in the beginning, we all think. And it's going to be God who does it. You know, we, we don't walk around thinking, oh, it's going to be me. It's going to be God who does it. But then we get into the part where the scarecrows show up. And it says, God spoke this to me. Purging of hindrances in your life that will stop you. I'm purging hindrances in your life 
that will stop you. And then once he purges those, he doesn't leave us empty. Isn't that good news? Because he says, I will come and fill up the weak places. I will come and fill up the weak places. And then promotion comes to a new level. It's in pressing through that you are strengthened. We are never strengthened when we sit down and give up. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and that's the truth of the word. The last scripture I want to leave with you is, uh, it's in Hebrews 12, you know it. We're to run our race and focus on Jesus. Everybody say, focus on Jesus. You know, uh, in, in Joyce's book, she says, um, I got to read this to you because I was just talking with somebody on the phone. You know, when you need something, God will give you somebody to help who needs the same thing. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you ever experienced that? You're in trouble, and God sends somebody who's in the same mess as you. Don't focus on the pain. Focus on what God said he's going to do. And uh, I know this when I, when, when I first felt to release the church, and, and it was time for Pastor John to take the church. Um, I heard this. It's out of Joshua. And it said, uh, the priests are going to go ahead of you. I'm paraphrasing. Chapter 3. And I'm going to close with this. Chapter 3 said, the priests are going to go ahead of you. Uh, and he told Joshua, stay back. Everybody say, stay back. S- stay back. And in my Bible that I'm reading through this year, it says that was about 300 meters, 3,000 meters. I-, I don't know how far 3,000 meters, and I didn't have time to go figure that out. How, how much? Two miles? Okay. So that's a, that's a long way to stay back from the priest but he said you you've not been this way before so stay back so you can see what the priests are doing because in this situation of going into the promised land you know the first group didn't make it but see the first group thought it was them the second group god wanted to make sure they knew who it was ahead of time and so he said stay back Stay back till the priest puts his foot in the water. Now, what happened? When the priest put his foot in the water, the waters parted. Isn't it something that God did the same kind of thing with this generation that he did with the other? But in this generation, he made it quite clear ahead of time. Don't do this unless you're watching me. Don't do this unless you can see me. Don't do this and step into something until you see me be me. And I believe God showed me the reason that sometimes we wait for a while is because we have to see God be who he is. I mean, if he doesn't put his foot in the water, there ain't going to be any parting of of the sea. And uh, it's in Joshua chapter 3. I want to give you the exact scripture because it was so strong in me. And um, sometimes I have to go back and read what God told me when I started whatever I'm in at that time because it then gets me back on track. How many of you ever had to get back on track? You know, I, oh, I got to get back on track. I've totally lost sight of where I'm going here. And uh, it's in chapter 3, and it says, uh, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest and the Levites bearing it, and then you shall set out from your place and go after it, yet there shall be a space between you and it, it, and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it. 
that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. See, everything that God does, there's a new place of fruit, and there's a scarecrow. But what we have to see is him. We have to see him. And in that process of seeing him, you can be cleansed, changed. I asked Corey to sing that Hosanna song this morning because it says, clean, clean me, and then break my heart. God, God gave me this when he told me about, uh, you're going to have to break the habit of self-sufficiency to go where I'm taking you. He said, uh, it's like a horse. You've seen the cowboy movies, the wild horses, just running and running and running. And then they put one in a corral. Everybody say a corral. I tell you, when God puts you in the corral, it's serious. <laughs> Something is about to happen to you. Somebody's about to put a saddle on you, a bit in your mouth, and say, we are going this way. But, oh, what a joy when it's all over. Amen. Then he said to me, then you can be ridden. What that means is then you can go where he wants you to go. And you can take him into that place he wants to go so bad but you're not going to buck you're not going to throw him out you're not going to push him out you're not going to say oh dear god how'd i get here you're going to keep pressing right through there with that same intensity of the wild stallion only this time he's riding the horse amen would you stand with me this morning father i thank you jesus we thank you this morning we thank you that when we wait on you is when we actually find that place of courage, of help, of hope. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.